0: God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us, be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Time moves on and things change. That's the one sure thing in life, isn't it? For all of us, in every way, shape, and form, amidst the chances and the changes of this life, there is one thing that we can count on, and that is change. And that goes for everyone. doesn't matter if you're three years old or if you're 101 years old. This day, there is something in your life that is changing. There is something in your life that is different than, it was, different than it was yesterday or the day before and will be different than it is tomorrow. The one thing about change, though, is we don't like it. I mean, most of us don't like it. I mean, maybe I'm always talking about myself. I don't really like change. I like kind of the status quo. It's just fine with me. Just the way things are. And so we become a little bit, in, in a way, suspicious of change of any kind. Um, we fear it in many ways. It fills us with a certain amount of anxiety, even if it's a change that we want. Even if it is a new job or a new school. We go with a certain amount of trepidation. A certain amount of, gosh, I kind of knew the game back there. I kinda wanna go back there. And even if we plan, right, even if we plan, which we do, we're big planners, we plan for the future, we plan for retirement, we plan to save the environment, we plan to, for college savings, we plan, the list goes on, goes on and on, right? We're always planning for something. And yet, even in the midst of this planning, all of our best laid plans, we really aren't planning at all. Because the truth be told, as I said, we would love for things to stay just the way they are. I'm comfortable here. I know the score. I know everything to expect, and even those subtle changes, I kinda know how to deal with those too. It's where I feel safe. It's where I feel secure. And so I don't really want to go there. I would like to stay right here. And many times we hunker down. We hunker down right here, right where we are. We hold on. We hold on to our time. We hold on to our money. We hold on to our gifts. Because you just never know. You never know about tomorrow. You never know what you're going to find out there. My daughter turned 13 on Wednesday. <laughs> I, I know. Bless my heart indeed, my friend. I'm, my heart flutters every time I think about her getting older. And it's different for her than it is for the boys. For whatever reason, maybe that has something to do with, with uh, little girls and their dads. But I want to protect her. I want everything to be just perfect in the way it is. If I could wrap her in bubble wrap and sit her in a nice, luxurious closet, right? Not just a dark closet. She could have a TV in there, that's fine, but I'd like for her to be there so that I know where she is at all times. Thank you. This reminds me about when my daughter turned four. We were in Montgomery, Alabama. And we had just had a party at the Build-A-Bear Workshop, which is a lovely place where you can go with lots of other children and make a bear or an alligator or whatever. And it can have things you put in its paw where if you squeeze it, it says wonderful things like I love you or Roll Tide or things like that. (laughs) The things that bring joy to all of our hearts. So we were at this party and there was cake and all of this and I'm, I asked my daughter, and I was half-jesting, but also not, would you stay three forever? And she said, no, you know we'll have none of that. Because if I'm three, then I can't be a princess, right? And if I'm three, I can't be a cheerleader, and I can't get married, and all the wonderful things that even at three, she's already envisioning for her life. She would have none of that. But that kind of became one of the big jokes over the course of that week. Would you stay three forever? And then after she turned four, I was walking with her at a soccer game and we were just walking along going to see one of the boys and I said, "Um, okay, now that you're four, would you stay four forever? And she looked at me and I guess I wore her down because she said, all right, daddy. I'll stay four until God turns me five. (laughs) Almost intuitively, she knows what is in our DNA. Almost intuitively, from the mouths of babes, she knows what God has put in store for all of us and for all of eternity and for everything in this world. One thing leads to another. I will have another birthday. And I will, whether I want to or not, be forced into tomorrow, as long as I have breath. And there are things in tomorrow that can fill us with anxiety. There's war, and there are rumors of war, and the markets go up and they go down. And is there going to be a recession or is there not? And are, we, are the tides going to rise to the point that, you know, Miami will be underwater, or whatever it is. But those aren't new, right? There's been anxiety and threats of all of those things for as long as we have had breath. As Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. But the one thing that will not change is that there is a future and there is a tomorrow, and that is what God has planned for all of us. And so I think about this sense of tomorrow when I read today's gospel lesson. This is a tough parable. When I read it, I kind of automatically say, what on earth is that? I mean, you've got this dishonest manager, a man who's been accused of dishonesty, of theft. They even call him dishonest in verse 8. If there's any question, you know, sometimes the parables beat around the bush and we're left to kind of guess. We kind of know he's a dishonest manager. Um, And so... He then is told that the ruse is up, right? Your boss kind of knows that you have been skimming off the top. And so he panics. He panics about his future. He panics about his tomorrow. What will this be like? I'm not strong enough to do this. I'm not smart enough to do that. What will I do? And so instead of wringing his hands, he immediately takes action and adds insult to injury and becomes even more dishonest, right? Right? He brings them all in. How much do you owe? Okay, make it 50. Cuts it all in half, right? Starts making deals. And then, in the midst of that, he is commended for his actions. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And there are a lot of people who try to make sense out of it. They'll say, well, you weren't supposed to charge interest in the ancient world, so he was really just giving away the interest so he really wasn't being dishonest wink wink oh well that was his commission he had to make something right he was just getting his commission because the manager, his manager, his boss probably was trying to cheat him out of something so we go all around this and try to make sense out of it Will Willimon who is a United Methodist theologian he says he focuses on the simple straightforward meaning He says that the man recognized catastrophe in his life and immediately moved to do something about it. Hunkered down, not in today, but moved into tomorrow with an action and with a plan. If even a dishonest, unscrupulous businessman knows how to move into tomorrow with a plan, no matter how misdirected it may be, how to plan for the future, how to build relationships, how much more then should we those of us who are people of integrity and of honesty. The parable, I think, and this is what speaks to me today, and it should speak to every single person in this nave, because everyone in this nave is going through changes of one kind or another. Everyone in this room, in this holy space, is starting something new or is finishing something old, something is different than it was a month ago or two months ago, or three months ago. I think what this parable is about today, at least for me, is trusting in God's future. Trusting that God is the God who is in charge, who is in charge of today and is in charge of tomorrow and waits there with open arms for us as we move into the future. There are situations in this life for all of us, every one of us, that lead us to say, now what? what? do I do? There are situations that make us want to wring our hands and say, oh no. Oh no. I have no idea what life will be like there. And I don't want to go there, truth be told. I want to stay here. And so, when we do that, we hunker down and we hoard and we hold on you forget that it doesn't belong to us. That we are merely stewards of God's bounty, our time, our talent, our treasure, everything. It all belongs to God. And so Jesus places us in an unexpected future by telling an outrageous story of a man who took risks because he was convinced that the story was not over. Right? A man who, as Michael Gerson said this morning in our Sunday School lesson, we watched one of his talks from the Washington Cathedral. A man who had faith. A man who was willing to stake his future, his life, on the rumor of grace. On the rumor of salvation. On the rumor that Christ has conquered death so that death would be no more. The future is open. And even when our Lord and our Savior moved to the cross, Jesus did not do so as one resigned to a bleak fate. It was one that he had prophesied, one he had told people about, one he had talked about, one he had even tried at a point to refuse. But he moved into it confident, for he set his life on that, and in Easter he was vindicated. Confidence in the power and the grace of God that I know my Redeemer liveth, And he meets me in tomorrow as well as today. There's a story, one of my favorites, about a man who was walking through the marketplace, a marketplace in Mexico, and was looking for trinkets and things to take back to his family from this trip. And so in the marketplace, there were a bunch of different booths, and in one booth, he could see all of these beautiful birds, colorful birds that were lined up all of them sitting there perch on a little, little bar, a little wooden peg hanging in the air. And he looked at them carefully and he noticed that none of them were tethered in any way. They were not secure. They could fly off if they wanted to. So he walked by this booth and walked on through the marketplace and when he walked back they were all sitting there just as they were when he'd walked earlier. So he went up to the merchant at the booth and he said, why are these birds just sitting there? Why don't they why don't they fly away? Why don't they move or go do something? Fly down on your counter. You say, well, I train them to do that. You know, I start off by tethering them, and then slowly, when they think that this is their world, I release the tether, and then I teach them how to grip on so that they feel safe and secure in this place, this hold that they have. And they won't let go. He said, well, if if you've trained them to do that, then why don't they fly? I mean, why why not? He said, they've forgotten how to fly. Well, how do you teach them again if you sell one and somebody wants it to fly? He said, what you do is you teach them how to release their grip. What are you holding on to today? What do you have a death grip on this day? Is it the way things used to be? Is it an expectation that has been dashed, but you just won't let it go? Are you afraid of tomorrow? Are you afraid of what it might hold? Are you afraid that time will march on and that you won't be able to keep up? Stay four forever or thirty? or 40 or 70 or 85 right here, right now in what I know and what has always been and what feels safe and what feels secure and what I have a grip on and what I can hold on to and touch because I don't know if I want to fly because a gust of wind might take me somewhere I don't want to go. And so we hold on to our time, to our talent, to our treasure, to life as we've always known it. And that grip eventually causes us to forget that we were made for flight, that we were made to soar, that we were made for today, but we were also made for God's tomorrow. Time moves on and things change. But as we live into this, as we let go and fly, remember the wind of grace blowing beneath those wings with the power of resurrection and with new life. That God always waits on the other side that God has passed through anything you are passing through and waits in your tomorrow for you. And God never, ever leaves our side. Amen.